Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now this morning I want to speak to you out of a, another prophet, Daniel, who was at the same time of Jeremiah. And I've been talking you out of Jeremiah in, in the uh, two out of the last three weeks. And I want today to take you over to the book of Daniel. And before we get right into the things that I want to share with you uh, in the way of things I hope you'll take home with you, the points of the message, if you please, the major teaching, I want to get you to just think with me for just a few moments as to how important it is for people today to know who they are, why they're here, and where they're going. And for people today to have insight into the world in which they live other than what other people tell them. In other words, if there is certain things that have happened inside of you, and certainly if God lives inside of you, and he chooses through the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, then you have the privilege of seeing the world through the eyes of God. And you will see things that other people just do not see. You will, you will have an opportunity to spend some time in the quiet place that you choose for God to speak into your life what is really going on in our world. And he's going to keep some secrets. He's not going to ever tell us the day and the moment, the time when he's going to come back again. He wants that to be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in such an hour as you think not. He says nobody knows the time and so forth. But he does tell us the signs of the time. And he also helps us to look at those things and see what kind of people we ought to be. <clears throat> when we sing that song, What a Wonderful Change in My Life Has Been Wrought, we are talking about a real change. That something happened inside us that made us think different and therefore we are able to do differently from the world and we're able to uh, make an impression on others because there is no doubt that when somebody finds somebody they can trust, somebody that they feel like really cares about them. Someone that thinks about them rather than themselves. Somebody that really wants the best for others and not just for themselves. One that is able to have discernment in life. They, they, they just seem to have discernment that most people have. They're not the kind of people that just jump into every fad that comes along. They're the kind of people that get a hold of things that are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Things that work in any society, in any culture. And these things are all taught in the Word of God. When God's children, or when you become God's child, then when the Lord comes to live in you, then you are able to do these things and think this way. And the world is not able, is not able to think or do the things that the Lord has commanded. So if you would, you can open your Bible to the book of Daniel and you will see that it's right after Ezekiel. There's not many pages in Daniel. So if you get to Ezekiel, slow down and uh, I'm not going to have you stand. I want you to keep your Bible open. I want to show you five things today that make Christians different 
or I should say followers of God different, always have, always will. I'm going to read about one of my heroes. The thoughts that I'm going to give to you came to me about 35 or 40 years ago. And I can honestly tell you that the five things I'm going to share with you this morning are the five most memorable things in my mind that helped me get by every day of my life and hopefully make right decisions and do and be what God wants me to be. Daniel represents a man that was in a tough situation in a tough environment at a tough time when the world and his land was falling apart around him, his nation, and he ended up in prison. Let me stop there and ask you something. You know, all Christians want to be healthy, happy. Uh, Some want to be holy, some don't, but they all want to be healthy, uh, happy, and prosperous. But I want you to think about the people that you know from the Bible stories. They were in the biggest messes of their life when God changed their life just like that. Do you remember the apostle Paul? Remember where he was headed? He was on his way to kill Christians. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad vocation when you're going against a holy God. But God saw in Paul something that the world did not see. His name was Saul at that time, and he knocked him to the ground. He blinded him, changed his life. He spent much of his life in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. I mean, he goes on and on and saying all the hardships that came to him. But when he came to the end of his life, he said, I'm now ready to be offered. Time of my departure is at hand. Fought a good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. Paul was beat up bad. Most of the apostles, in fact, the, the, the originals were, were a- actually executed or killed. Do you remember Moses? What kind of mother is it pushes her little baby out into the river full of crocodiles? But look what happened to Moses. God rescued him. How about the blind people? How about Lazarus? How about the bad things that were happening in people's life? The woman at the well, she came, she'd been married five times. I mean, can you imagine what her legal bills were? (laughs) And do you remember God came over and talked to her? Remember that? And you remember she was born again. And the Lord said, now you go and live a different kind of life. I'm not going to hold this against you, but you need to live for me the rest of your life. Now that's, what you need to learn this morning as I give you these five things. When a person talks about the value of having godly character, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, I want you to hold your Bible close or look at the screen. And I want to, to introduce you to Daniel in the third year, verse 1 of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, God's city, and besieged the city, took over the city. Daniel finds his way into prison. While he is there, he is being held because he does have some gifts. He's a very intelligent man. He's in the midst of a lot of people that have a lot of great skills in their life. But now they're taken out of, a, of their world and put in prison. And while he is there, Nebuchadnezzar wants to pick his brain as well as the others, wanting to use him, if you please, to help him with his godless way of living <clears throat> 
And in that moment, and in those years of time, God taught us something that if we will keep it in our mind, write it in our Bible, if you were to go to my library and you were to look at several of my Bibles, you would probably see somewhere the five things I'm fixing to tell you. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1. <clears throat> and I want to tell you the first thing that you need to learn to live by. And that is, you know how you're going to deal with temptation before it ever comes. You're going to know the answer to the question before it's ever asked. Will you? Would you? Won't we? Can we? Can we do this? Uh, you know the answer before the question's ever asked. That's called a conviction. It's called a conviction. You see, the problem that a lot of people have, they don't know what they're going to do when they get in a certain situation. But when God comes into your life and you have godly character, you learn the answer to the question before it's ever asked. And you know, if somebody asks you, why don't we go and do such and such? And you have thought about that a long time ago. Why don't we do drugs? Why don't we drink? Why don't we cheat? Why don't we do all this stuff? You don't have to say, well, I need to think about that. You've already thought about it. Listen to what it says about Daniel. Well, let me tell you the story, what happened. He's in, he's in the cell. He, he needs to get drugged up and, and a little alcohol in him, a little wine for the stomach's sake or whatever. And so they've been drinking bread and water. And the king's wanting to get on the good side of Daniel, so he wants to bribe him. So he sends uh, and orders down to the cell where Daniel is some of the best of wine and some of the best of meat because here's a man that's been on bread and water and who wouldn't yield to that kind of temptation? But look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, he had put a whole lot of thinking down before he saw the menu. He knew how the world operated. He realized the world is out to get you, to destroy you, to put you down, to take what God has created and to wipe it off and then use you like a pawn to do whatever he wants to do. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That's a conviction. He knew what he's going to say. He knew how the devil worked. He was expecting it. And as soon as they said, we're going to bring you the wine, we're going to bring you the roast beef. Not me, you're not. Not me. I'm not going to defile myself with what the world has to give me. That king has nothing that I need. This world is not our home. This world has nothing to offer any of us. God offers it. He can use the world at the world he created, but the world doesn't have anything for us, but God does. He knew the answer. Let me ask you something. How long would it take you if I were to challenge you to write down 10 convictions you have? How long would it take you to write them down? How quick? I won't do this. I won't do this. I won't do this. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this. This, 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 this. There it is. You can have it back. Well, I need to go home and pray about that. You know, I can think of two right now, but that's about all I can go. You know? Well, how are you going to do when somebody cheats you? What are you how are you going to respond to that? They are going to. Now, what are you going to do when it happens? Or, or when it happens, are you going to say, you know, you cuss me? Well, I'll just let you have it right back. I know some of those words, like the word hell, it's in the Bible, you know. 
I mean, don't think you're just messing with some little punk. I know, I know, I know. You slap me, I'll knock your head off. I went to a Christian college and was a heavyweight boxer in a Christian college. Knock your head right off. Or do you know anything about turning the other cheek? Do you know anything about one man, one woman for life? Do you know anything about thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not commit fornication? Do you know anything about thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain? Do you know anything at all about honoring your father and your mother? Or do you have to decide when the moment comes? Let me tell you something. If you don't have any preconceived conviction, you're in a heap of trouble. But when you know, when somebody says, if you love me, Will, you will, oh no, I love him. And this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you don't get to me till you go through him. If God approves it, so be it. But I'm not going to have a little wine and sell my body to you for a party because you paid for the cost of the party. That's already made up my mind in that. That's the conviction. That's a sign of godly character. See, character is doing right on purpose. That's what it is, doing right on purpose. Well, what would happen if you got in? Well, I hope I would. You won't because all the demons of hell will be seeing that you do what the devil wants you to do. But if you stop and say, okay, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He had already purposed in his heart with purpose of heart. The writer of the scripture says, cleave unto the Lord. Run to dad. Run to your father and say, dad, father, help me. I'm about to fall. I'm in a mess of temptation. I'm so close. I'm thinking about it. Run to him. Well, second thing, if you look in the scripture at verse 10, the one that brought him the, 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 uh, the wine and the, and the meat, verse 10, and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your face is worse liking than the children which are of your sort? And then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Here's what he said. If you don't eat this stuff, you're going to look bad. And a few days going to come and you're going to look terrible. And you know what he's saying? And the most important, I'm going to get my head cut off. That's the way the world works. You do know that, don't you? If I don't do it, I'm going to lose my job, you know. If I don't do it, I'm going to lose all my friends because every one of them, you know, they're just making out and they're just doing all kinds of stuff. And, man, I got to do that because I don't want to use them. I won't be just as tough as they are, you know. I got to get it stamped on me, you know. I've done this, I've done that, and I've had a whatever, and I've got the little teardrop under my eye, and I've got all the kind of thing. That's the way the world does. And so this man says, you're going to look bad. Daniel says, don't bother me. This body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. If he wants an ugly-looking temple, that's his, that's his problem. I'm not budging. All right, and I want you to go over and look in verse 20 when they came back. Look at verse 20. It says, In all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in the realm. The men of God were ten times better than those that did what the world wanted them to do. Now that is number two. You trust the wisdom of God rather than the logic of man to get through your life. If God says it, that settles it. If God wants you to, you do it. If God doesn't, you turn from it. And you just trust God. 
But God, if I don't, he'll leave me. He won't date me anymore. He'll go do this. He'll go do that. Well, they'll, they'll knock me out of the company. They won't let me be a part. Let it go. If the devil kicks you out, God will put you on a higher plane. They that wait on the Lord, the Bible says, shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. But you got to have some character. You got to have some character. Don't run out and try to marry the first person you ever see that kind of wows you. Learn the world. Anybody that'll, that, that'll cheat on another person will cheat on you. Learn that. No, we're different. No, it's not any different. It's not. God's word will tell you it's not all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. That's just the way it is. But God's grace is sufficient if you have character in your life. If you have God in your life. Well, there was a third thing. You remember, they brought him in, Daniel did. He was 10 times better than everybody else, and those that, that stayed away from the world. They were 10 times better. He brings them in, and Daniel, Daniel interprets the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. You go over to the second chapter, verses 46 through 49. Hold it right there. And here's the point. If you walk with God, you can be blessed or you can be promoted and yet remain the same. A lot of people, when God blesses them, they become arrogant. A lot of people, when God blesses them, they become aloof. They become better than everybody else. They become very self-centered. They begin to want to show everything they have and they'll wear it and they'll show it off because they want everybody to see, look what I've got. Look who I am. I pull myself up by my bootstrings. But let me tell you something. If you've got character, you can get blessed and still be good old you. Look what it says in the second chapter, verses 46 through 49. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation of sweet odors unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of the kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldest reveal this secret. All right, now here's what the king does. The king says, Daniel, you're an interesting guy. You're not like everybody else. There's something different about you, Daniel. And I figured out what it is. Your God's different. You've got a different kind of God. You don't worship the king over across the border. You worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's something about you that I don't see in other people. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. You know, ever know anybody that want to, wants a bunch of stuff to serve the Lord? Oh, yes, you do. They're the ones that send $100 to the TV program to get $1,000 back. Okay? Their only reason for worshiping is if I can get 1000 for every 100 just what's your name and address and let me get my checkbook out. There's something about the world that believes that everybody, if they don't think more is better, then there's something wrong with them. And they get all they can, they can all they get, and they sit on the can, they poison the rest. They're stingy. <laughs> That's a non-biblical word. Look at verse 48. 
Then the king made Daniel a great man, gave him many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province. Man, he won the election. He had him nice clothes and watches and everything. He was a great man. Look at that. He put him as ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over the whole. He, he was his cabinet leader. Get that, man. I mean, he was something else. And he said, Daniel, you're just going to jump up and down, I know, and love me. Look what Daniel did. It says, then Daniel requested of the king, put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of your province of Babylon. And I just want to sit in the gate and talk to people. What he said is, I'm not in this for me. I'm not in this to make a name. I'm not in this to make money. I'm in here to glorify God. King, you don't have anything I want. Keep your problems. Keep your money. Keep your stuff. I don't want your stuff. My hope is built on nothing less than God. God alone. Can you move up? I talked to a man the other day. I didn't talk to the man. I heard the story of a man the other day. He's now dead. Somebody tried to help him. His employer tried to help him and promoted him. When he promoted him, he began to be a horrible boss. And he had to be fired. Some people can't handle it. They just can't handle success. They cannot handle money. They cannot handle compliments. They cannot handle having a beautiful body, money, or whatever it might be. They can't handle that. And the devil knows that. And, and he can buy you out like he did Judas. What did Judas? 30 pieces of silver he sold out on Jesus. Can you imagine? Say, Judas, how stupid can you be? He would say about as stupid as you are. Because you're doing the same thing. You are compromising everything I have given to you and I want you to be for mere stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow. Very quickly, not only if you're taking notes, if you've got character, you can be promoted and yet remain the same. God can bless you and you'll know that every good and every perfect gift has come down from the Father and you'll glorify him and you will serve him. You will praise him. You'll enjoy giving back to him because everything you have came from him and as you give a part of that back to him, you just glorify in that. Number four, when you, do, when you have character, you'll do right whatever it costs. It may cost you your job. It might cost you a relationship with somebody very special. Somebody, maybe one day you said, I, I want us to get married. You do right, whatever it costs. If you love me, you will get past that. As we said a moment ago. But what will it cost me? What will it cost me? It doesn't make any difference. If I have to give up everything to follow the Lord, I'm going to do that. Because I love him that much. Now, I don't think there's a person here that doesn't understand the illustration of the fourth point. Where did Daniel end up? In the lion's den. He knew he was going to the lion's den because he could not pray. He was told, you cannot pray. I wonder what the Christians are going to do when they tell us we can't have church on Sunday in this country. Some of you will live that long if this nation doesn't have revival. What are you going to do? 
What are you going to do? Daniel, if you pray, you're going into a lion's den. I don't care. If they kill me, I'm absent from the body and I'm present with the Lord. Chapter 6, if you keep in notes, verse 16. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. And now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, listen to this. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Seemed like Nebuchadnezzar is about to get saved. I don't know whether this is sarcastic or absolute truth. He said, Daniel, you know what? And because he had a great relationship with Daniel. He did what the people wanted him to do. He had to, he had to keep the vote, you know. So he throws him in there. But he said, Daniel, before I do, I really believe your God, whom you serve continually. Not that word is not occasionally. It is continually. He'll deliver you. And he went. I don't know what it's going to cost you to serve the Lord. It can cost you your job. It can cost you a relationship. It can cost you a lot of stuff. But Jesus paid a lot to get you. He bought you. And this is not just, it, our, this is our time on earth, but this is not our life. life everybody here is going to live somewhere in eternity. So we come right to the last point here. And that is that if you have God in your life, if he lives in your life, you will give all glory and praise unto him. We're going to have to turn the page over to the sixth chapter. You see that 16th verse that we're just talking about? I want you to go down to verse 22. He comes back early in the morning to see what's happened. There's Daniel. He's alive. He's alive. He's been in a den of lions all night, and he is alive. They immediately have a news flash. They put signs up on the freeway. What's happened? ABC, Fox, CNN, they all pick up on this story. You're not going to believe this. This little guy was thrown into this meanest lines in all the world, and he stayed all night, and he came out without a scratch. Get a reporter over there just as soon as you can. All of the magazines were there. Everybody was there. Man, you're talking about a story. This is the only guy that ever got thrown in lines then, lived through it, doesn't have a scratch on his body. You'll want to put that out on the 6 o'clock news and put a breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news report all across the screen so they were all there I can just see them in my imagination and I imagine that whole illustration I just gave you and they have their microphones and here's Daniel <clears throat> he gets up <sighs> well it's good night rest <laughs> pillow was a little hairy Daniel, man, man, Daniel, tell us about it. Man, you are tough. We thought Samson was tough. You are a tough, dude. Tell us. Man, I can just seek some men today <clears throat> giving their testimony at the convention. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, sometimes it's tough serving the Lord, but 
You know, it was tough being in that lion's den, but you know, when you got God in there helping you, you can do some things. You know, one of those lions came at me and I grabbed him by the jaw and, and I, you know, this hand on, on, on his upper jaw, this one, I busted him open. Another one, I stuck my hand down his throat, grabbed him by the tail, ripped him inside out. Man, if I wouldn't have had God helping me, you know, I just want to thank God right here before all you people. Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian testimonies you've heard? But listen, Daniel's testimony. You ready for this, sports writers? My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me. Daniel, that won't sell. Nobody's going to want your testimony. You got to beat that testimony. You got to come up with something a little more glamorous than that. Come on, make up something. Tell him, you know, you know, tell, tell him you drank 10 gallons of marijuana. That you smoked a whole tank full of heroin? You can tell I know a lot about it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. We ought to close. The minute you quit giving glory to God, you're in a heap of trouble. And Daniel knew that. And when you got character, we decrease and he increases. And you don't tell them how good you are and you pray at 4 o'clock in the morning and you've done all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Every day you get up and say, dear God, I'm not sure if I knew about, if I were you and knew about me, what I know about me, that I would even let you get up, up in the morning because I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. God loves sinners that are willing to say they're sinners. He, he gets sick and tired of I'm doing the best I can under the circumstances. Get out from under the circumstances then and get it all together. And just simply say, you know what? As from this moment now, I am going to make sure that I have some convictions. And I know how I'm going to deal with the temptation before it ever comes. I'm going to trust the wisdom of God and not the logic of men. I'm going to be able to be promoted and yet remain the same. And I'm going to do right whatever it costs. And I'm going to give all the glory to God. When you put that formula into your life, then God in you is the hope of glory. When you can just stop and say, I'm just a mortal man, but I'm a child of God because I've been saved by grace through faith and that not of myself. It was a gift that came from God. But when God came into my life, he bought me, he owns me, he will guide me, and I will follow him. From that day forward, from that day forward, I saw Uncle Si grow in four days. He was bringing people to church with him by Wednesday night. Just people he had met out there. Come on, I'm going to church tonight. Come with me. That's Jesus, folks. That's Jesus. Things begin to be more important to you when it's Jesus. Don't let the world take you away from God's purpose. Leah Holder, precious girl here in Houston. Dad's a pastor, co-pastor over at Fallbrook Church in Houston. Wrote a book a couple years ago, and she was gracious enough to uh, send me the, the uh, copy before it was printed and to read it through. And... Um, 
the title of the book is No Trespassing, I'm God's Property. And she wrote it on her struggle as a beautiful girl to retain her purity until the day she gets married. And she tells it quite frankly and quite clearly and quite humbly. The daughter of the preacher. But how the temptations came and how close. But this, I'm not my own, I bought with a price. That's what this whole book is about. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. If you belong to the Lord, he has a right to you. He's the owner and you're the steward. But we've got to understand that the devil is just as live today as he was here. If Daniel would succumb to King Nebuchadnezzar, we wouldn't have this book in the Bible. If Paul would have given in to the temptation that was on him, he was a Ph.D. at school. He was brilliant, educated beyond anyone there in as sharp a mind as ever lived. But he stayed with God once he met God. God knocked him flat on the ground. But when he got up, he was never the same. Now, folks, that's what it means to be a Christian. I'm sorry, but it doesn't mean find you a good church where you can meet a lot of friends and have a good time, enjoy some good music, and maybe hear a good sermon every once in a while. That's not what this is about. That's not what church is. We're a family. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, and God says, spread it around, spread the well, put a smile on your face, a spring in your step, and join your heart, and go your way rejoicing. And don't go to the restaurant mumbling. Well, if the preacher wouldn't have gone so long, we'd already be here. <laughs> the Methodist got out first. Got our chairs. God's got a plan, right? And by the way, young people, the quicker you learn it, most of our young people are in the next service, but the quicker you learn God's plan for your life, the easier it is. Because he makes up most of, of the decisions for you so quickly. You know. You don't have to go and dig it out of the scripture to see. Uh-uh. You can start with 10 things, all right? Remember what they are? The 10 commandments. That's a good place to start. And it's not if you can get six out of four, uh, six out of 10, you're okay. No, you need to go for all of them, okay? And so I want you to bow your head for a moment. We believe so much at Sagemont, the Bible. We have a beautiful family Bible for every person here today that's a guest. We want to give it to you when the service is over. We want you to come out to the foyer and turn to the left and go down to the hospitality room, which is a glass room you'll see inside. And I want to go and give you a Bible. I don't know if I'll ever see you again this side of heaven, but I know this. In the Bible is God's hope and God's help for you. And we want to give you a, a nice one, a family Bible. So you're invited to do that. But we also are going to open another room right now. It's called our Connection Center. Last Sunday, there were nine people trusted Jesus in that room. It's right out here in the foyer, right straight in front of me. Back this way from the, the divine servant where Jesus is washing Peter's feet there in the bronze. Back this way. If you'll go there, if you don't know the Lord, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're just this close. To make it a decision in your life, in your personal life, that you know is directly opposite of what God says do with your life. And you need some help and some encouragement.
Later means better. The only, only impulsive thing, or the only, uh, I should say, thing that you should do immediately is invite Jesus to come in. Get, get the right guide. Get the power in you to live the life that you're going to commit to. So we're going to open the doors and there'll be people there to talk with you, pray with you, men, women, other languages. We, if we don't have anyone there, we'll speak a language that you'd be more comfortable with. We'll get one to you as soon as we possibly can. But the thing that I want you to know, folks, is every one of you, God, has a plan, a purpose for your life before this world was ever created. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God's ways are higher and his timing is perfect. So I want you in just a moment, I think we're going to sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Pretty simple song, pretty powerful message. But you can slip out at that moment. But if you're not going to the Connection Center, you wait that extra minute. We're not that crowded. We'll get you right out of the building. Don't disturb people that are so close to making a commitment today. If you need a church home, you want to be a part of SageMind, then you can come and make that decision just by going to that room or seeing one of the people out there with the red shirts on and just saying, help me, VIP, and they'll get you to the right place. Father, I pray now you'll bless this moment as we sing this closing song. It is sweet to trust you. We don't know what another day plans, but we know you had it planned before we were ever born. So may we walk in obedience. And I pray for those, Father, that do not know you as their Savior. May today be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.